Hello and welcome back to The Indie, the podcast from the newsroom of the Santa Barbara Independent. I'm your host, Molly McEnany, and this week I'm speaking with the quadruplets from Santa Barbara. The Goodmans, Luke Cason Barrett and Layla Goodman, were a nationwide sensation the day their mom, Beth Goodman, gave birth in November of 2003. And this year, all four siblings accomplished another massive feat by participating in signing day ceremonies at Santa Barbara High. Thank you all for joining me this week. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Molly. So I have to start out, you all are athletes. Was growing up together just one big constant competition? <laughs> um, yeah, it was. I think when we were all younger and we were living in Arizona, this is like relevant, but I mean, it depends on like each individual person's point of view, but I feel like we all were, because we, our sports were baseball and soccer, we were all vying for whichever one we were, you know, each individual person was best at and I believe when we were younger, some of us were like, I created soccer, I created baseball, but we didn't. We just, I don't know, we were just really competitive. So we thought we were the best at them, I guess. Yeah, it's hard to measure because obviously they're guys and I'm a girl. So it's not we're competitive like directly, but it's like, oh, I see you doing that. I should probably go do something too. So it's more competitive, like, oh, I see what you're doing. I should probably do that. I would say that we brothers specifically, considering we've always played sports with each and um, with each other and always usually on the same team there always has been a little inner competition like who's the best who's playing the best so I mean it's been nice I feel like that's what got us kind of into sports in the first place and that's what's kept us on our toes all these years but um, there's for sure was a competition between us this is their mother Beth and I can tell you that they were always competing to see who could dribble the ball the most times without you know, letting it get away from them or who could grow the tallest to the fastest or how many flips can you do off the edge of the pool or, you know, it wasn't competitive in a negative way. It was just uh, wanting to impress each other each one more time. And it, and for the most part, everyone played together really nicely, especially the boys, because, you know, in baseball, you need a catcher and a pitcher and a batter and there, you know, we had it. So there was a lot of activities that we all did together. And I think everyone was just trying to impress one another. Yeah. So it was simultaneously a team, but also pushing each other to be better. So for the boys, I'll start. Why soccer? Can you tell me a bit about your other interests and why soccer was the one you all kept up with? So when we were introduced to sports, specifically baseball and soccer from a really young age, and those two were the primary sports. We tried many sports, um, but those were the two that kind of stuck it out. And I'd say what made soccer the sport we eventually chose uh, ended up being a lot of what we like more. Uh, we got to a point, I don't remember when, I think it was probably around junior high, where it was too much for our schedule to be doing both. And when we were asked by our mom, uh, which one we would prefer doing over the other. Uh, I think it was pretty unanimous that we all wanted to continue with soccer. And now, Beth, it must have been hard seeing all four of your kids in sports in the same age bracket. And you did mention a bit about the politics of sports, but how hard was it for you to kind of balance being happy for one who...
Yeah. We don't get to talk about Layla as much in this journey right now, because if we just divided up the time that we talk right now into talking about four different kids, there'd be 25% for Bear, 25% for Luke, 25% for Kason, and we get 25% for Layla, but it would seem like it was almost all about the boys. But it was really hard when someone gets to experience a high that another maybe had also been working towards, you know, um, an accomplishment, a goal, getting recruited, you know, the, in the minute you're so happy for your one, you just think your heart's going to explode. And then you look across the field almost accidentally at the other and you see a little heartbreak or a tear in the eye. And it's like, Oh, okay. You know, it's just always like the highs and the lows in one, one great big moment. Well, don't worry. I'm getting to Layla right now. So I wanted to ask <laughs> Layla, you're kind of a track star now, but you've also been dead set on college for a while. So how has balancing school and track been for you and why track in the end? Well, I actually grew up playing soccer too, and I did ballet a lot. And I think I liked ballet and track a lot more because it's really methodical. It's very easy. I mean, it's very hard to be successful in it, but it's really easy to measure success in it. And so it was something that I could control really easily. Like, okay, am I eating right, sleeping right? Do I need to do more of this or that? Like, it's very easy to tell. I mean, because it's an individual sport. So for school and track, I don't know. That's always what I've done. I liked it enough that I made a priority and I enjoy school a lot and I enjoy track a lot. So it's just, it's just what I do. There wasn't really anything stopping me from being successful at either. We lived in Arizona and there was a dance studio not too far from our house. And Layla, little tiny bird of a girl was, you know, in there wanting to stay through ballet class after ballet class. And the the director um, had said to me, if you want Layla to stay longer and take classes with the adults, she seems to want that. And she's so responsible and mature for her age. We would love to have her. So she literally would stay for hours at the ballet studio doing class after class And it was, I mean, just the most beautiful thing. She's always been like this, like once she finds her thing, her focus is just like laser. And there was a time when she was dancing with the State Street Ballet Company. And then I'd pick her up from, well, I'd pick her up from track after school, I guess it was. She'd be all sweaty and sticky from her track workout. And then she'd get in the back of the car and have to, you know, squeeze her her sticky sweaty legs into her tights and put her hair up nicely and sometimes we couldn't get the bun just right and she'd be reprimanded and it was so stressful but she was so committed and it wasn't until we really had to make a decision one way or another that she chose track over ballet and I'm sure she has her reasons for that which she can tell you it seems it's always comes to that point where when you're a kid and you have so many of these interests and you kind of have to focus in on one it is a tough decision but Now I have to ask, what is each of your favorite achievements or memories as an athlete, winning a championship, going to a cool, you know, regional area that you've never been to? And was there a turning point in each of your success where you thought, I want to pursue this seriously? Or did you even consider quitting at some point? So I just like playing. I like winning. Um, And so, I mean, I don't know if I would say I have a specific memory they all seem pretty great in the moment and they all kind of merge later in memory you know it it was nice when our team won regionals and got to go to nationals last year that was a great moment um playing with my high school team has always been like a highlight of the year something a little different when 
you get to play for your own school and there's a little bit of pride involved. And I would say just on the, on the second half of the question, there definitely was moments where I almost quit the sport entirely when in junior high, um, I ended up getting cut from the team I am now on for a while there. I was playing on a team, which I loved. I loved the players. I had some good coaches along the way, but I didn't see myself getting any better. And I felt like I was just getting further away from, from my goal all along, which was pretty much just to be the best for a while there. I did not want to continue. Luckily I had, well, my mom and um, my brothers who were still, still going at it. And they kind of kept me in the game long enough for me to get my opportunity. And when I got it, I performed how I needed to, and I never looked back and I'm very thankful for that. So I would not be the same person I am today without that moment. So me and Kaysen and Luke were on the same team in junior high. Um, me and Kaysen got kicked off it. Kaysen got kicked off. Well, actually, I'm just we, we both got kicked off to the white team, which is like the, the team below it. That they, they go by colors instead of by like team A, team B, team C. Um, so the white team was below it. And I was kicked off. I was kicked off because I couldn't. I was told I couldn't play at the level, but I wasn't really ever played. So I was just like a sub that never played. They got kicked off and it was kind of, eh. it was kind of, it was very traumatizing for me because I've never really had the experience of being kicked off a team. I was always going up a team every year or our whole family was, we were always going up to the next best team every year. And this, this time was the first time I realized that, you know, that wasn't going to happen, but yeah, it really traumatized me and Kaysen and Kaysen and I both felt like quitting, not the same time, but I remember Kaysen, we'd go, we were on the way to, one of our white team practices and in case and I remember was just like he started breaking down and he was like I can't do this anymore or he didn't see and say I couldn't do this anymore but he was like I feel like quitting and I had one of those moments especially a little bit later too when Kaysen got back onto the team and I was still on the white team I would I remember I was like why am I still doing this I've been on the team a year or two years longer than Kaysen has before he went back up like you know when's my time gonna come and Thankfully, I got that chance. I'm back on it. But for a while, I was really down, the, you know, really, really down. I have to add that, you know, during those times, the heartache was very real. It was very painful. And there was a lot of self-doubt amongst my beloveds. And for them to stick it out and keep trying and keep working was something I encouraged them to do, but they were the ones that did the work, not me. I really felt that I could see their potential. And, you know, really in some ways that may be one of my great <laughs> faults, <laughs> but these guys stayed with it. And we had some people along the way that also saw their potential. And sometimes in youth sports, you don't get a coach that's going to say, I see your potential. Let me put my arm around you, young man, and tell you that you are going to get there. In fact, I was so upset at age 13 that someone would be writing these boys off and letting them kind of emotionally crash and burn after being recruited to the highest level team. How can you take 22 of the very best players in the whole area and then all of a sudden release 11 of them or whatever it turned out to be and have those people be so stunned that they can barely recover? Like I felt like that was a failing of this experience. But on the flip side, all of this has been for our growth, all of it, all of this heartache and having to overcome has been for their greatness in process. 
You know, we wouldn't be here today. I don't think if it had just been born great, rose right to the top, everything's been hunky-dory since day one. No, they wouldn't have the fortitude that they have. You know, all of them, Layla too, has overcome so much. Yeah, to, inter- to interject there and kind of go go back a little bit. Uh, I, I The reason I appreciate my mom, because there are times now that I look back and I find it quite funny, but when we were, when we needed the help, we had a, um, a private coach who really believed in us. That's someone that she, my mom was kind of mentioning without mentioning. Um, his name is um, Goffin Boyoko. I remember not that long ago, but years back, mom would actually get me up because I'd come home from school and I'd need to take a nap because I'd be drained. Um, and my mom would get me out of bed. She's like, come on, come on. We're going to practice. You're going to get this training because he's going to help you. And this is how you're going to get better. And and at the time I was so mad. I was like, mom, let me sleep. Like, this is terrible. I low blood sugar, whatever it was. Like I did not want to get up, but it was uh, definitely very, very beneficial in the end. And I'm grateful for the people that, that looked out for me and um, didn't, didn't give up on me a, a while ago. Not that everyone was giving up on me, but the, I really am thankful for the support that I have been given by some coaches and my family. Yeah, that, that brings up a good point. So at the same time that they got cut, I stayed on the team and that was a very different experience than both Barrett and Kaysen. I was still on the team, but for the first time in my entire life, I was without my siblings in practices and in games. And that was harsh, but also the fact that I stayed on the team, but I wasn't, wasn't very influential. I was someone who came off the bench and, you know, at times I didn't know, like, am I next to get cut? He's going to bring someone else. Even though I had stayed on the team and I hadn't actually been cut, I too was struggling with enjoying uh, the game and uh, back to coaches that believe in us. I came in to high school as a freshman and after a couple of games on JV, the varsity coach, Todd Heil, brought me up to play for his team. And for the first time in a long time, I felt someone else believing in me, in my ability. And that freshman and then sophomore year under him, I re-fell in love with soccer. And I remember why I loved the game so much. He, he put me where I wanted to play. And for the first time, I felt actually that I was good enough and I will continue to improve. That also ties into the other part of the question. What is there been a, like a favorite moment? And I'd say uh, my sophomore year under that coach, when we were in um, the second round of CIF, we went down to LA to play a modern day team, a private school with a really good soccer team. And we went down there and we won 2-0. And uh, that group of guys with that coach uh, beating a team like that in a CIF game. That was just, I mean, one of my favorite feelings I think I've ever felt. I would say my favorite track moment was when I was a freshman and my mom still to this day is sad that she couldn't make it. Um, but it was a four by four relay or four by 400 relay, which are always at the very end of a meet. So everyone's tired, but it's my favorite. And it was against, so Santa Barbara and San Marcos are like rivals and everything, but also really big rivals in track. And so we, I was the anchor, got the baton at the same time that their anchor did, you know, from third to fourth leg. And their anchor was this girl named Annabelle Tiller. I love her so much. She now runs for Berkeley and she was faster than me. And so I was obviously terrified. I'm like, no, what? No, we're getting at the same time. Like I'm going to lose it. And so that race, just a 400, like around the track, I don't even know 
what happened, but I did end up beating her by like very small amount of time. Um, but that was probably my favorite. Cause one, I was a freshman and, um, it's kind of like, that's the team part of track. So like a relay, it was kind of nice to be like, Oh my God, I want it for my team. It wasn't just like an individual thing. So that was like my favorite thing. And then challenges for track, I would say, because running, <laughs> I actually, I do love to run, but it's also really painful to run. So a challenge is just like, it's not fun until maybe after a workout or after you warm up or like after a practice, it's never really fun during it. Like you have to find other ways to keep going because all you do in track is run and that's physically painful most of the time. So thanks to endorphins and other things like that, <laughs> um, it is actually nice in the end. So I would say a challenge is pretty much me and all my teammates every day are like, wait, why do we do this again? Like we could have chosen maybe volleyball, but no, we really chose it. And I'm glad I did. But a challenge is just daily. Like, oh, I have to remember why I do this. And I'm really glad that I do. Some of my favorite memories are of Layla running and that the two favorite ones that I will never forget is one time when she got the baton for her anchor leg so far beaten by the other team that they were running against, but she got the baton and she went out after this gal that had at least a hundred meters or maybe half the, half the track ahead of her. And you could see her closing the distance. You could see the moment when she thought, I'm going to do whatever I can to catch this girl. And it literally, it was at Santa Barbara City College. It brought people up off their booties and coming down to the railing to watch her run. I could cry. I mean, she didn't win. She, she lost. But the amount of sheer will and desire was so powerful that people were cheering and screaming. And I remember that race that I didn't see, I had made a work commitment and I couldn't believe I was missing it. And Kaysen called me. And at that point I was at whole foods and he gave me the play-by-play -play afterwards and told me how she had held off Annabelle Tiller and that the whole infield went wild. And I could still get tears in my eyes, just remembering Kaysen's enthusiasm and me standing at the check stand crying and telling everyone around me that what has just happened. That's awesome. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing all your stories with me on here. That's so nice to hear that all of you have like such, you know, different points in your careers where you felt like this is, this is it. I love this. And I don't know why I'm doing this. It's painful as Layla said, but I'm still going to keep going. Now, Victor Bryant, the writer of this story is here with us. And Victor, I want to ask you, what did you want to capture when writing this piece? Well, uh, I love sports. I love sports because I think it reveals character. You know, there are so many, uh, you know, moments in life where you're tested, but in sports, you're tested more often, more frequently. And it kind of just like, you know, you, you go through these hardships in life every once in a while and you really test your resolve. In sports, your resolve is tested pretty much every day. Like, you know, Layla was saying, you know, just warming up. A 400 is such a freaking brutal race. Like, it's it sucks. I've ran them before. It's physically, it drains you. You burn during that last stretch. It's it's something that you have to be very committed to, to go out and do that every day. So, um. I just think that like, you know, telling this story, which is much bigger than sports through through the lens of sports and how they've overcome challenges was just really a, a, a treat for me. And just like kind of seeing like some things through their through their eyes, like I didn't even know uh, Kaysen and Luke at this time, but 
Casey Luke Orbert at this time. Um, but I mean, I, I remember being at a soccer match. They were playing San Marcos and they ended up losing uh, the match. It was a huge match. It was, I think it was for league. And uh, I just remember, like, I, I, was, I walked over to go talk to their coach. And uh, I just remember each of the boys, like, picking up their teammates, like, physically and literally. Guys were just, like, really heartbroken by this. And they were just like, it's, it's okay, guys. We're going to be all right. You know, the season isn't over. And I just think that that just was a moment where their character was revealed as leaders, where they just knew that uh, – you know, my guys, these are my friends and they need me in this moment. Really, only sports gives you the opportunity to to have those moments where, you know, your characters reveal. So can everyone share a bit about where they signed for school and why they decided to go there? So as you may already know, um, me and Luke are going to UC Davis to play soccer for the Aggies. Um, and I would say that UC Davis has always been a place that when we first started looking at like, hey, Maybe we want to go to college for this. Where do we want to go? Hey, you know, D1 would be pretty great. Where would we want to go? And so we kind of like came across UC Davis. It's a school I've heard about before. And um, we visited it over the COVID years. We liked being up there. And so that's when we really just started to get a little serious. And we wrote a bunch of emails to the head coach and the coaching staff. And over the next two years, we just, we worked hard. We played games. We made highlight reels. We sent it to them and tried to make it happen and ended up happening. So it was great. Also, there was a little bit of um, comfort in a way because peers of ours that played at Santa Barbara Soccer Club and played for Coach Goffin Boyoko, which we talked about earlier, um, two of them are already up there and they were since we were sophomores and starting our college search. So that was definitely something that we took into account when we were looking through colleges just like the ability to know someone already in the program. And we trained with them in the summer. So getting a, a hint about what level of soccer it is and uh, get to pick their minds a little bit about the coach and college life in general. We, we basically got the ability to learn more in depth about Davis and the soccer program because they were already there. And that definitely helped in, at least for me, choosing where I wanted to go. Also, Goff Boyogo paved the way. He knew Coach Schaefer well, and and when Schaefer was looking for a certain player, Goff told him, you need Luke Goodman. And so Schaefer had Luke on his radar. And when we ended up meeting Coach Schaefer, or at least communicating with him, he was such a good human. Not that we met a lot of bad humans in our coaching meetings, but you know, we just had a sense of comfort from mutual acquaintances or, you know, knowing this human that made it feel like almost like going home or something. It was not scary. It was exciting. hundred percent. So um, I, the, the youngest in our family, Barrett, I just, just in case like someone wanted a name or anything, um, I'm going to Washington, Washington, um, Western Washington University up in Bellingham, Washington to play D2 soccer. So the reason why I picked it, it was actually pretty simple. It was because I wanted to play soccer, but I didn't want to play soccer on a boring campus. I wanted to go somewhere like that was visually and like, it was just like amazing. And it's Western Washington was the perfect fit for me. It's literally on the coast in a forest and it's like secluded yet right next to Bellingham. And I was like, I don't even care that it's not D1, it's D2. And I would still be happy to play there. And so it was just months and months of emailing with, um, it wasn't like 
five months, but it was, I think around two months of emailing and no responses. Um, and then all of a sudden the assistant coach, Cal Seibart was like, Hey Barrett, do you want to come up and do a tryout with us, you and the team? And obviously I was, I was so I was so happy and I was so, I was a little bit scared too, because obviously, you know, you don't get invited to try with a team that like rarely happens. It's normally, you know, you go with a whole bunch of other kids, like 30 kids and hopefully you catch their eye, but it was just me and the team. And I tried out and I did well and they offered me a spot and I'm glad I'm going there for, for next year. I guess I'm the last one. Uh, I chose NYU for many reasons, but I think the most obvious reason is the really strong academics and it's in New York City, which has all the perfect opportunities for me to, I mean, pretty much learn the most um, and do what I want to do, which is in the realm of like politics, government, activism, and New York City has a very strong history with that. And the fact that I also knew, because I missed out on two years of track, I'm like, I don't really want to give up now. I would love to do it. And I did not meet the qualifying recruitment standards for Division One. So like, what are really good schools like D2, D3 that I could find myself really enjoying? And one of them was NYU. And I had never really wanted to go there ever before because it was, I don't know, just such like a name brand or something. I just wanted to stay away from that. But then after I went, I liked it a lot, all the really cool people and then the fact that I'll have a whole new team of girls that also chose it for similar reasons is going to be really cool that like value the whole athletic side obviously but also really strong academics and kind of know a lot about who they are also outside of their sport well congratulations to all of you and thank you so much for sharing your story now entering this new era is there anything else you'd like to add about you know looking forward I'm moderately terrified I was going to say, I feel like, I feel like mom would be sad to have everyone gone. It's such going from a full house and then all at once. It's not like trickling out. She's going to be okay. She's going to take a ceramics class. <laughs> Thank you, son. That's my joke. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to take a ceramics class. I am going to take a ceramics class, but um, you know, it's everything we hope for. It's everything we dreamed of. It's everything we've worked towards. How could I not want that? you know, this is the next step. And we, we didn't just get asked to go to Davis. We, we had other options. We didn't just get asked to go to Western Washington, Layla, NYU wasn't her only option. You know, there were options and we've been for the last few years, well, two solid years anyway, really trying to hone it down and get that figured out. And I feel incredibly lucky that we are here at this juncture before they graduate when there's so much like, where's everyone going to go to college next year? What's going to happen? Like, I feel like we've known where we were going to go now for at least maybe almost six months. And we are able to just kind of feel our way into what that really means. It's going to be bumpy. I'm sure there'll be tears. I'm going to miss them like crazy. I mean, I was just saying to a friend online earlier, I'm going to miss them so much. And all of a sudden I started crying. Like, I know I'm going to miss them so much, but I wouldn't want them to stay home. We can't just keep doing what we've been doing. It's, it's the next right thing. Well, thank you so much, everyone. And Victor, is there anything else you'd like to add about the story? Yes, there is. Uh, I, I just wanted to say that, like, even more so than made it into the story, just in talking to people, coaches, friends, administrators, and everyone, just how everyone raved about, you know, you know, the character of, you know, the four, uh, you know, Goodman children, and how, how they went about their business in just such a way that, 
was just admirable. The way that they approached their sports, the way that they approached their academics, the way that they treated other people uh, is something that's really admirable and something that I think a lot of people can just kind of take from this story is that, you know, when you go about your business in a way, you know, you, you kind of take the high road in your endeavors that, you know, good things happen. So I think that that's a, that's a great story to take away from the larger story. Well, thank you so much to all of the Goodmans and Victor for joining me on the show this week. For the full story on the Goodman family, check out the article by contributing writer Victor Bryant on www.independent.com. In other sports news, the pandemic has had a drastic effect on student education. But what about physical education and health for younger students who have been cooped up for two years now? Here with the full story on elementary school physical education in Santa Barbara is Alexandra Goldberg. Hello, and thank you for tuning into The Indie. I'm your reporter, Alexandra Goldberg. Today, I'm at a K-6 public elementary school located here in Santa Barbara. Now, as we come out of the pandemic, children are finally getting to experience their early years back in person. While elementary school years are pivotal in youth and educational development, what's changed? How are these kids now off Zoom and back on the playground? I'm joined here by teachers at this school, so thank you so much for inviting me into your classroom. Can I have you both start off by introducing yourself and how long you've been teaching at the elementary level? My name is Linda Trigero, and I've been teaching at the elementary level for 32 years. So it's been a long time and I love my job. And we teach physical education, K through six. And my name's Cheryl Hess, and I have been teaching probably cumulatively like gosh, 15 years, I think. So I took some time off in the middle, started in the classroom before having kids, and then entered physical education and have been in that since. Wow, long times in the education world. Well, thank you again for joining me. And you mentioned you're both physical education teachers. What was it like trying to teach movement and exercise in a virtual world during the COVID pandemic? Well, let's just say my tech skills have grown tremendously <laughs> thanks to my teaching partner because for a short time we were having to Zoom doing physical education with four-year-olds all the way up to 12-year-olds. So let's just start with that. It was a process but we learned a lot and we leaned on each other and we made it through and we were very happy to be back in person with our students. And we had fun with it. The main school I work at was, wasn't was on Zoom too long. We had a good three months maybe they were a total Zoom and then when we came, the kids came back in person and we were part-time Zoom while they were in person. And was that time in person physical education or did they prioritize academic settings? We had physical education. So we still had twice a week physical education. Half of that was Zoom once they were back in person. But there's definitely a prioritizing education, but we were able to figure out, squeeze in the, the importance of PE. Well, the classroom teachers came back um, and they were all on their outdoor learning classrooms and we were still Zooming and then we segued into having to come up for physical education classes one class at a time. And I'd say the priority was definitely getting the classrooms started first. And then they started to slowly introduce the specialists in person. And we were the first to start in person 
because obviously we're outside and it was much safer to be outside with the kids with their masks on still in the beginning. And then eventually we were able to ease up on the masks outside at least to begin with, which made the kids very happy and the physical education mm -hmm. teachers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and with the mask mandate and being outside, the elementary school years are so pivotal in, you know, learning how to read and learning how to make sounds and, and everything like that. And seeing your mouth is so important. So besides the classroom, how did the masks sort of impact how children understood directions on the playground? Well, we had a system where we have we have megaphones so it makes it a little easier because yes true. it's hard for them to see if we have a mask on it's hard for them to see our faces so the megaphones made a big difference and we did have to have our space in the beginning remember we had to cone off our area where we could be and they couldn't be near us it's kind of funny so it's not yeah, it's not the same as seeing yeah. your mouth move but yeah. at least you can hear but it was hard for us to under for me at least to understand my because I, I have the kindergartners and it was really hard for me to sometimes understand what they were saying mm -hmm. and they were new to our school and yeah. i didn't get to see their faces and f for a while and which was a little bizarre it, it was hard to get to know the kids because really you hard. could only see half of their faces and you're trying to get to know them and you could see their eyes only so that was that was interesting yeah, do you think that almost influenced the connections you made with the kids? Almost not being able to see half of their face, especially their small faces. You said that you teach kindergarten, and I'm sure the mask takes up almost half of their face. It, it does, and the funniest part was we thought that the kindergartners and the first graders and the, the younger kids would have the issue with trying to keep their masks on, but it was my sixth graders that were rebellious and and pushing it to the limit. But lots of frequent reminders for them to have it over their nose and their mouth. But the little kids were pretty much rock stars as far as keeping their masks on mm -hmm. for the whole 30 minutes of PE and then all day. So yeah. they didn't get a break. So they were very excited when that mask mandate finally was released. But we still have kids to this day having masks on right now. You specialize in yoga and mindfulness classes here. And I can definitely tell you that I didn't take my first yoga class until I was an adult. And I didn't even know what mindfulness was until, you know, my adult years. So is teaching yoga and mindfulness, is that sort of a new initiative or has that always been core to Santa Barbara education? Good, good question. That was, I believe it was post um, mudslides that we started doing more. There had been some movement and yoga and then post mudslides, I got to take over that program where, and we incorporated more mindfulness. And that's been wonderful. We, in the past, had more individual classes that were just focused on yoga and mindfulness, and now we incorporate it into PE, so we have it as part of um, the physical education, which has been great. I feel like it helps the kids a lot, especially with all that's going on, just sort of teaching them how to be present and how to just take those deep breaths and calm themselves down and refocus, and especially with all the trauma and the craziness of COVID. And yeah, especially with the little kids when they're, since it's so new to them to be at school all day long and to be outside and have physical education and be present and be focused. And I think it was great. And we do it, we incorporate it with the K through six, K through three, mostly mindfulness and some yoga. My little kids know about 30 yoga poses. I'm so wow. proud of them. But um, with the older kids, we're, 
they're they're moving a lot and we see them for 45 and a 30 minute PE so we do we do incorporate some of it but I would say mostly with the K through third graders mm -hmm. yeah and for the time you were online, did you do any yoga or mindfulness online? We did. Yeah, I actually, we both feel like it was a really good time to incorporate that because um, they're, they're just needing to regroup and refocus. And we did, um, there's a lot of good little... Cosmic Kids Yoga was yeah. great for the little kids. Yeah, they there's, loved it. There's some good um, resources that we used. I felt like there was some great just breathing techniques that also had the visualization, which you don't have outdoors, but we could play, you know, a three-minute clip where we walked them through just whether it was um, just a relaxation technique or a visualization that really helped calm and calm their minds and clear and help them be more present so I, I felt yeah. like that was almost better <laughs> in many ways in that term so yeah that was kind of my next question was it even possible to find the zen online and such an uncontrolled environment you know a household you could have family members walking around parents staying home for work so while you're not you know leading this class that's right in front of you is it even possible to find zen over zoom mm -hmm. for the most part they were great on zoom and they were very focused and present and doing all the activities that we were doing with them mm -hmm. and i think that we heard from number of parents that they participated too and i believe part of that was the the mindfulness and the relaxation and um, breathing techniques that we learned at the end some of the parents participated which was fun and some of my former students that were older brothers or sisters that would see their kids on their younger siblings doing PE with us that we had and they would jump in and that was a blast sometimes the whole family would jump in and do it <laughs> yeah you know in a way that's family bonding to do during the pandemic when everyone's cooped up mm -hmm. so yeah. that's beautiful to see yeah. you yeah. well thank you for that and now kind of diving into the broader question we're looking at today how do you think uh, that the lack of physical interaction and overall lower level of activity is impacting youth? Not only here in Santa Barbara, what do your observations tell you about just youth in general across the world? I would say from what I've seen, not just with elementary school, but with maybe high school kids, I would see, I think there's a lot more anxiety than our youth. I think some kids maybe are, can even be depressed because of not being able to hang out with their friends, not being able to have play dates, not being able to socialize outside of the school day, depending on how strict other parents were as far as, you know, staying in their own pods or their own families. So I would say maybe that could be the big one. I think for the most part, the kids we work with at the school are, um doing pretty well because they have the support and they weren't out too long. I do work at another school that was out for almost a year and I feel like the impact of that was enormous and I, I can't speak from prior to post because I wasn't there before but it seems that a lot of those kids dropped activity, physical activity during it and I think it's harder to jump back in right. whether it's you know, learning to kick a ball, soccer, they don't know how, or they had, they had done it before when they were younger, and then two years later, they've no longer on a team, and they've lost a lot of that fitness that they had to give them the confidence to keep going. And so that, that makes me a little sad. Like, I, I'm hopeful that they would jump back in or get the encouragement or something to get the confidence to jump back in into physical activity versus just drop it. Right. 
And you mentioned being a part of a team and how important interactions between kids are. What would you say are the most startling differences you see when you see two children or maybe a group of children interacting together in this post-pandemic world? Well, I was just thinking, we were talking about when they first were coming back to school, when it was the pandemic, they had to be in their own pods and they weren't allowed to really be near any other classrooms. And so I was always thinking of the silver lining, looking for the silver lining. We noticed, because Cheryl and I would watch out on the playground, their interactions when it was when they were in their pods. And it was interesting because it was almost like sometimes these forced friendships ended up being the silver lining because they were playing with kids mm-hmm. that they never would have played before with because they might not have been in their class with their best friend, which they weren't allowed to see during the school day because they had to be in their pod the whole day. So it was fun to see kids that usually never play together, playing together and having a blast and having so much fun. So that, to me, I felt like that was a silver lining, that, that aspect nice of it. There was bonding that occurred within the class. It was really nice bonding. Inclusion of different levels of activity and, you know. And coming up with their own games. It was yeah, great. There was because, a lot of that. Yeah, because they were forced to one area and each day it would rotate that area, but they, they couldn't have control of the whole school as far as playground. And, so, early, and early on, we couldn't have, couldn't have shared equipment. Right. So they'd have to have whatever they had right there. They were coming up with what they're used creative to. games. Yeah. It was really fun to watch yeah. that and explore. Yeah. Yeah, that almost taps into, you know, despite being constricted to certain people or certain areas, it kind of exercises your imagination and also, like you said, being friends with people you wouldn't normally play with teaches some sort of diversity and inclusion, which I feel like is pretty pretty core to, to youth mm-hmm. development. So Absolutely. that's awesome. I'm not sure if we answered your question, but that just popped into my head. No, I like I that silver lining. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up our conversation, is there anything you would like to add that you think I missed or you would like our listeners to know? We got through this. And... Cheryl and I both learned a lot during the pandemic from the kids as well as from each other. And thank goodness we had each other because I don't think I could have done this as a physical education teacher without a partner Mm -hmm. because we really relied on each other a lot. And I have to say the kids were rock stars for them to be able to go through this after our mudslides and fires in Santa Barbara. They've been through a lot and they're really resilient. Hopefully they'll come out I come out of it just that much more resilient. I think there's a little leftover angst, I guess. That, um, but I think they're working through it like they they can. They're kids, you know. I, I am thankful that this school in particular wasn't online for so long. That that I think made a big difference. But again, if, if kids were, they can recover. I just think we we need to support helping them jump back into regular life and relationships and whatever that looks like absolutely great well thank you so much for joining me today it was a pleasure to speak with you both and i really appreciate finding the silver lining and you know such a tumultuous two years and looking forward to the future of these kids and i'm i know they're in good hands especially in the pe department well thank you thanks thank you it was great to meet you you reporting for the indie i'm alexandra goldberg Once again, I'm your host, Molly McEnany. Tune in next week for another episode of The Indie.